On this feel-good Friday here on October 6, 2023, who impressed the most for the 2023 Washington Nationals? You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm Ryan Clary, the host of this said podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network where you get your team every single day as I have taken my passion for baseball and the Washington Nationals into podcast form here with you, the listeners, everyone here every single day. I am with you, and of course, last night, everyone watched the Commanders game. You cannot be hurt by this said podcast. We are talking baseball here, Locked On Nationals, and of course, we will be getting into the offseason outlook for Locked On Nationals and what will be coming down the stretch here, because next week, it gets real on this podcast. It is player breakdown time. We'll get into a little bit more of that just a little later on. Also, There continues to be more movement with the player development side. As we talked about a lot with Matt Weirich from Monumental Sports yesterday, we talked a lot about this two shows ago, and now we have a little more clarity on what will be happening from Mike Rizzo. We'll discuss that a little bit later on as well, but let's start off with who impressed the most in 2023, because this is a feel-good Friday, everybody. And listen, we need this. The Nationals, they aren't playing October baseball. I'm assuming a lot of you guys out there are probably Washington Commanders fans. We all saw what happened last night. No fun, whatever. It's a feel-good Friday here on Locked On Nationals. Let's get into it because the question is, who impressed the most for the 2023 Washington Nationals? And there's a lot to consider here. You have an all-star with Josiah Gray, who the first half of the season was lights out. And really, this was kind of an unprecedented jump that we didn't really expect from Josiah Gray. Not because he doesn't have any talent, but what he did last year, having an ERA north of five, you kind of expected him to maybe crawl back into the 4-5 area. Not really down below a sub-4 ERA, but here we are. Josiah Gray, he did have an impressive 2023 season. And you also consider C.J. Abrams and what he did, setting the franchise record for stolen bases in a single season for the Washington Nationals. You have Kiber Ruiz took a step up at the plate, kind of took a step back defensively, but overall, I think Kiber Ruiz had a solid season. And then it brings us to Lane Thomas. Lane Thomas, let's just answer that right now. He was the most impressive Washington National, and it really wasn't even particularly close, if we're being honest here. Because if you consider everything with Lane Thomas, number one, Let's take you back to the 2021 trade deadline. When you trade away John Lester for this guy, a lot of people expected Lane Thomas to actually be DFA'd at that deadline by the St. Louis Cardinals. He would have been a free agent. Someone could have claimed him. But even then, his big league career probably wasn't going to be lasting as as long as people thought here. And as soon as the Nationals made that trade, you think of Lane Thomas, you hear all the good things about him. He can hit. He's got a little pop. 
He can play some defense. So there are always some tools to work with there. But when you expected him to play over 162 games, when you expect from him is to be a starting right fender, right fielder in this Nationals lineup, not a lot of people knew what to expect with him. And he came out hot immediately with the Washington Nationals. He did. But did we expect this kind of jump from him? Because even the fact that we have to ask this question, that if Lane Thomas, if he were to continue this production, if Lane Thomas were to even take another step up, at only 28 years old, by the way, someone who just turned 28 years old, the fact that we are asking this question that if Lane Thomas can be a key contributor to this national team down the line, that is a win. That is a huge win for this front office, for the team, and even Lane Thomas himself. Because back when you traded him, again, for an old left-handed pitcher who not only didn't want to be here, but the Nationals, they didn't really seem to want him here, to be honest. It wasn't that good. John Lester, in fact, was bad here with the Nationals. So the Cardinals traded him. We got Lane Thomas. And at that point, you don't really expect too much. You kind of expect, like, maybe this guy will get a few at-bats here and there. But he kind of went in the starting lineup. He came off the bench at first. Then he got in the starting lineup, and all, be, all he did since then is hit the crap out of the baseball. And not only did he hit the crap out of the baseball, but this is something that is starting to really turn into like a, okay, Lane Thomas, this guy, he's got it. He's got what it takes to kind of be a mainstay in the major leagues. Now, I'm not saying that Lane Thomas is going to be a part of your next World Series team here in Washington, D.C., but at only 28 years old, Having a 3.2 B-War on the season at 28 after coming off the bench in 2021 after being traded for, again, John Lester. Going into this season, if you were to tell me that Lane Thomas would have the slash of batting 268 with a 315 OBP and a 468 slug that finished for a 783 OPS, I would have told you I'm taking that any single day of the year. And it's not even that. His... Numbers offensively were really good. Very good, in fact. Now, while he struck out 176 times this year in 628 at-bats, didn't really take all too many walks. His walks actually declined from last year, 36 compared to 41 in 2022. But what Lane Thomas showed us is that this guy is a legit big leaguer. This guy is going to actually kind of continue to grow. And I could see that with him throughout this season. You can see that as he continued to get more at-bats. And while, yes, he did get exposed at times, and yes, he cannot really hit right-handed pitchers the way that he does with left-handed pitchers. And by the way, side note, that's what makes James Wood so special down in the minor leagues, is that this guy hits left-handed pitchers even better than he does right-handed pitchers as a left-handed batter. But when talking about Lane Thomas and what this guy has really done for this national scene, He's kind of catapulted us into a nice little realm of success. And when you have teams like this, when you have teams that are continuing this rebuild, you look around, around Major League Baseball. Look at Ryan O'Hearn for the Baltimore Orioles. You kind of have to have these surprise kind of players who break out out of nowhere. It's a little luck, but it's also just scouting and just getting the job done in which Mike Rizzo did this year. Lane Thomas was the most impressive Washington National, and really it wasn't that close in my opinion. Even considering Josiah Gray and Mackenzie Gore, Kyle Finnegan, Hunter Harvey, 
a lot of different young guys to consider here, but it's not close. And the reason why it is is because not only did Lane Thomas get it done at the plate, not only did this guy have a 2020 season, not only was he the second outfielder in assists across Major League Baseball, only behind Nolan Jones of the Colorado Rockies. Lane Thomas is a legit ball player now. This is someone that I actually think we can account for. Full click on this for a second. He was second in outfield assists in Major League Baseball, meaning he threw out so many damn runners this year with 18, only behind Nolan Jones, who finished with 19 and a third, was T. Oscar Hernandez, who finished with 12. Lane Thomas has an elite glove. We saw the arm strength this year, which is ranks amongst some of the better arms in all of baseball this season. But also getting it done at the plate and the value that he brought there, getting guys in, 86 RBIs on the season, 28 home runs, 20 stolen bags. That is impressive. And also, here's the thing with Lane Thomas that I actually want to see more of, which I think we probably will, at least I hope we will. With his speed being at some of the highest percentage for his sprint speed in all of baseball, he only sold 20 bags this year, only got caught stealing five times. He didn't always have the best jump ever. But there's some room to improve when it comes to that. Because only last year he had eight stolen bases and a lot of opportunities as well. But even this year he had more opportunities and you saw him kind of take advantage of that. And I think with the new rules, you're going to see a little bit more aggressiveness as it kind of leans into it more. As baseball world kind of leans into these new rules just a little bit more. But with Lane Thomas and what he did, you talk about this. I remember saying the first half of the season. Lane Thomas was going to have his slow start because that's kind of what we have seen. That's been the trend with Lane Thomas dating back to 2019. He starts off a little slow and then he ends hot. Well, in this year, he started off red hot and kind of ended the season a little bit slow. Because as you see in June and July, or in May and June rather, Lane Thomas was at his best. He batted 303 in May with a 931 OPS. And in that time frame as well, he had eight home runs and 16 RBIs. And then in June, he batted 340 with a 1014 OPS with six home runs and 17 RBIs. Now, while, again, Lane Thomas, he had his ups and downs. In April and March, he started off slow. And in September, he finished a little slow as well. But even in those two numbers right there, in the month of May and June, That is the kind of production that I'm not really expecting from Lane Thomas. I don't expect him to be a 900 OPS kind of guy. But even then, it just shows you what potential he has. And really, that is kind of the part in which you can kind of dream of if you're a Nationals fan. Because if you look at the Dodgers and really back when they were really getting good and really getting competitive in the early to mid-2010s, Max Muncy was kind of their guy who came out of nowhere, DFA'd by the Oakland A's, picked him up, came out of nowhere, and ever since then, he's just been a good ball player for them. Helped them a ton in the playoffs, helped them win a World Series. There's a lot of different things to consider, but good teams, they stumble into talent like this. I think the Nationals, in which they do have a good organization, you have a good president of baseball operations with Mike Rizzo, you stumble upon these things. It's not just luck. You can find guys like this, and this is kind of why Lane Thomas was the most impressive Washington National this year, because it's not really who was the best Washington National. Even then, you'd still probably say Lane Thomas, 
who impressed the most was the question. And that is Lane Thomas, because he showed us so much more than what he could do at the plate. He showed us what he can do on the base path. And most importantly, he showed us what he can do over in right field and really just playing any position in particular. But Lane Thomas, what a season for him. What a season. And really, this is going to be something to build off of. And going forward with the Nationals and all the prospects they have in the outfield, this is going to be a continued discussion heading into the offseason, whether you trade them, who knows at this moment. But with all that said, it's going to be an interesting conversation. Thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and the Nationals. They've been making some more player development changes here. Is it good? Is it bad? What do we think about it? But most importantly, Mike Rizzo, there is a comment about it, and I kind of like it. I'll tell you guys what I think about that. But before we get into the player development side, let's talk about our good friends over at Ibotta. And guys, it's football season, so that means pizza, wings, and maybe even some buffalo chicken dip, whatever you prefer at your tailgate. Go all out and get cash back on every purchase with Ibotta. The weather is getting cooler, and that means it's time to stock your closet with winter clothes. With Ibotta, you can get cash back on winter coats, hats, gloves, scarves, and more for the whole family. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you are purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt. After you shop and get your cash back, it's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $100 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, or you could use your cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing, that game you're trying to go to, or the fancy dinner that you've been trading. This is all you got to do, guys. Download the game, the Ibotta app and use code MLB to start earning real cash back. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code MLB. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code MLB. Now we get back into it as the Nationals. Finish the season here. We just wrapped up. Who kind of had the most impressive season as far as Nationals go? But now let's get back into the player development side. And this has been a big topic all week because the Nationals, they let go of D. John Watson. And a lot of people speculated and really rightfully so speculated that this could be a budget cut thing. But now it's not looking that way. And Mike Rizzo yesterday commented in the Washington Post and said that all these positions will be getting filled. Now, are they going to fill the player development, director of player development side? Who really knows at this moment in time? But here's the good news. It sounds like at this point, it's probably not a budget cut thing. And that was my whole issue with this, is because if you are going to cheap out on this player development side, literally, quite literally, what you need as an organization is someone to head the operation of this rebuild and take the lead and take the stand into this rebuild. And yes, some people may call it a retool compared to a rebuild. And that's fine. You can say that it's fine, but we all know that this is still a process and everything right now with this organization 
is banking on your top prospects developing and not even just your top prospects. You need your lower end prospects to develop. You need some guys that you may not expect to take that next step, similar to what Lane Thomas did in 2023. That is player development. And a lot of those things you can put on the shoulders of D. John Watson and what he did. Because in my opinion, if it was up to me, after only two years on the job in which your job is to develop talent, I don't think that that was enough time to really give D. John Watson. And I'm not saying he's this is some tragic mistake the organization made by letting him go. But the whole concern of it was that it was a budget cut kind of situation here in Washington, D.C., but it doesn't really seem like that. It doesn't seem like that because I believe in what Mike Grizzo says. I believe in what he does. I will follow him into a path filled with darkness, and I think there will be light on the other side. I've just always believed in that sense when it comes to Mike Grizzo. Call me delusional. I don't care. I've seen it before. I can trust him. We can trust him, in my opinion. But now, as we know, these are going to get filled. And in any sense of the imagination, if you were to talk about this team and talk about what they need more, you could talk about the spending. You could talk about trying to stockpile up on free agents and sign your Jason Work to get this rebuild really going or sign that Daniel Murphy to try to be the cherry on top or sign that Patrick Corbin in order to hope solidify your rotation. But what this organization needs more than anything right now is someone that you can trust and not only trust, but someone who can get the job done to develop your prospects because you have too much hay in the barn already. There's too much. You have a lot of prospects, a lot of young prospects, and a lot of talented prospects, I may add. You don't want to waste these guys because we've seen it in the past. Victor Robles, a very talented prospect, someone who's in the top 10 of MLB prospects for years and years and years. He didn't develop. And while it seemed like he would develop, he didn't. And it hasn't worked out. And it's probably not going to work out at this moment. Making his debut back in 2017 as a young 20-year-old into what he's doing now. Obviously, he was hurt this year. Can't really count that. And even then, he looked good in some of his portions of this season. He looked decent. But what this Nationals team needs right now is to have someone take these guys, a young analytical mind, I may add, to really turn out these prospects and just get them going. Because this Nationals team, I can't put faith in them to spend their money. I just can't. They haven't done it in a while. Now, I'm not going to say that they will never spend again. They'll never have that spending frenzy of getting to a top seven payroll in all of baseball. I'm not saying that can't happen. It may it may happen. Still the same ownership group. And yes, the bottom line may be hurting for them a little bit here. I can acknowledge that as well. But what matters more than anything, the number one really thing that I need from this Nationals team and from the organization is to have someone that you can put your faith in, in the organization, and say, I need these prospects to develop. You have a lot of can't-miss prospects, in my opinion. I consider Robert Hassel, even with all of his struggles this year, someone who will bounce. If a hitter down the line, but I Robert Hassel is still a pretty safe prospect in the fact that his ceiling may not be all that high, but his floor is pretty damn high. This should be a big league kind of talent. 
And I don't think it goes to Dejon Watson. I don't think you should be blaming him for the lack of development with Robert Hassel. But you can also point to the the Nationals minor league system as a whole and the farm system as a whole. It hasn't developed and it hasn't been that good. But there has been improvement. And this is a feel-good Friday after all. And when you talk about this team and what they haven't done over the last decade, really over the last five years in particular, it's the fact that they have not been churning out these top prospects. And that all starts with player development. And in my opinion, it's been the philosophy of this organization for quite some time now. And really what they haven't done and what they haven't done in analytics, as we've seen Major League Baseball really kind of turn up on his head over the last few years. Everyone uses analytics now. That's the edge that teams who don't spend like the Dodgers or the Braves or the Yankees. That's the edge that they create. And if you're not going to be on that wave, then what kind of edge do you have? Because you can't be competing against the New York Mets in the way that they spend. You can't be competing against the Philadelphia Phillies in the way that they spend. Not this moment in time. Now you can spend your money, and they should. You should be signing free agents. But it also starts with developing prospects. You can't just spend your money and not develop guys to really just fill around your stars. Because the organization that has tried to do that, that has tried to spend their money and tried to buy wins, that's the Los Angeles Angels, guys. They have Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, all those guys. How have they done? Not too good. And it's the reason why, in my opinion, they have not been able to turn out their prospects and all these high draft picks. A lot of them have kind of flopped on their own head. And it has not been good. That is why I believe if you were to get this player development side ish worked out, and if you think going outside the organization to grab someone who maybe take that next step in this organization and really start to develop these prospects and take those next steps in developing guys, then that's going to pay way more dividends than it would just to spend all the money in the world when it comes to free agents. Because I do believe that it all starts with turning out prospects and not even spending money. That is the number one priority when it comes to rebuilds. You have to save your money a little bit and also just turn out prospects. And it is going to be a little bit tougher going forward because the MLB lottery, which in my opinion stinks. But with all that said, you got to develop prospects. And there's been more player development moves, but it sounds like it's going to be filled. So thank you. That's all I need. Thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. And of course, you guys can check out Locked On MLB Prospects as Lindsey Crosby has been discussing Elijah Green and a couple other Nats prospects who have been some heavy hitters here in 2023. But with all that said now, I'm going to tell you guys what's going to come with Locked On Nationals this offseason, what to expect, when will shows be up, whatever it is. I'm going to get you up to date on that as Monday we start some big time shows. But before we get into that, let me tell you guys about our friends over 
at FanDuel. And guys, snap into the action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook right now. New customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And of course, the Washington football team here in town, they can't hurt us this weekend, but also they can't hurt us, which means you can't fade them. You can't bet against them. That kind of stinks. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official sports partner of the NFL. And thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen. Every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. So first, let's do some maintenance work here. As first and foremost, if you guys have stuck around all season long, thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. It's been so much fun to talk about this team, seeing a lot of guys grow, seeing this team take a step up from last year, being the worst team in baseball, into being a relatively competitive team for quite some time during the summer. It started off bad, but even then, that June, July, and early August stretch, really good for this Nationals team. And at one point, I even thought to say, we might have to start talking playoffs. We were sitting like five, six games, seven games back from a wild card spot. That was a good time. That was a success for this Nationals team. But the offseason outlook here, listen, we all know there's going to be some big storylines here. Number one, it starts with the ownership. It does start with the ownership with this Nationals team because over the last year and a half, there's been rumors of them selling. They've been exploring options. But let's just say this. At this moment in time, you can't really bank on the fact that they're going to be selling the team. Number one, because it just doesn't seem that way. If you look around the room, Artie Moreno, Los Angeles Angels, Rob Manfred at the podium at the winter meetings last December said that, they will be selling by opening day. Well, a few weeks after that, they announced that they will not be selling the team. I think it's because of the fact that they aren't going to be getting the number that owners thought they would be getting. And maybe after a successful overall MLB season this year, with attendance up, with a lot of viewing numbers being up, maybe that does change. But when you talk about the Nationals, the attendance was up, but overall, the bottom line was a little more down from what I've heard. And so going into the offseason, I don't really know what to expect with this ownership change. Obviously, we're going to continue to cover it. We're going to continue to discuss about it because there are rumors still. And we all know who's at the forefront of that, which who could be buying the team, which is Ted Leonis. So we'll just have to see what happens when it comes to the national sale. But not only that, there's a lot to consider here. Dylan Cruz, James Wood. When will these guys be making their opening day starts? But even more so than that, beyond that, Dalen Lyle. There's a ton of prospects to talk about with this Nationals team. Yarlene Susana, Jake Bennett, someone who got Tommy John surgery. Mitchell Parker, another left-handed pitcher who impressed. DJ Hers, another pitcher who impressed. Cade Cavalli, coming back from Tommy John surgery, making some rehab appearances, getting his kind of throwing back in the gear here as he gears up for a 2024 season. There's a lot to think about this offseason with the Nationals. But starting this Monday, here on Locked On Nationals, your team every single day throughout the offseason, 
Monday through Friday. Don't even think twice about it. We're going to be starting player breakdowns. So about each week here of the next month plus, there's going to be individual shows for individual performances. C.J. Abrams, Josiah Gray, Mackenzie Gore, Kibet Ruiz, Luis Garcia, Lane Thomas. All these guys, all of them, they're going to be getting their own show. Now, some guys who are kind of role players, like an Ildemaro Vargas or a Jose Ferrer, they won't be getting their own shows. But with all that said, we're going to be breaking them down, every single player, every single player that had appeared in the game this year that is worthwhile our discussion, they will be getting a show. So with all that said now, I'm going to get my postseason predictions in because this weekend you have the division series series starting and all this will be a fun one. <clears throat> so let's start off with the Rangers and the Orioles. The Orioles, this is the matchup, in my opinion, that they did not want. They do not want to go up against this Texas Rangers offense, really what they have done so far this postseason. Because in two games, they led the entire majors in those postseason games in extra base hits. This is an offense that is lethal. Now at Camden Yards, we all know pushing back the left field wall being one of the hardest places now to hit a home run in the left field, that's going to be some issues there. But also with that said, when you have the speed of this Rangers offense, when you have the potential of this Rangers offense, that's a lot of green grass out there for an Orioles staff who has been better starting pitching-wise and their bullpen has been shut down all season, all year long. This is going to be an interesting series, though. Now, with all that said, though, I still have the Orioles winning this in four games. I think the Orioles are going to get to the ALCS, and who will they play? Well, it's Twins versus Astros in the other series. Here's where it gets a little interesting. The Minnesota Twins just won their first playoff series in what feels like 90-plus years. Obviously, that's not the case, but when you're talking about the Minnesota Twins, one thing stands out in particular. They're starting pitching. Similar to what we all know. We've been in the playoffs before. Nationals fans, we know what it's like in the postseason. You're not going to be going far if you don't have the starting pitching. The Minnesota Twins, they got the pitching. They have a pretty solid bullpen as well, and their offense led by Royce Lewis, Carlos Correa in the postseason as well. There's a lot to like with this team, a ton to like, in fact. But going up against that Houston Astros team, listen, they're tough. It is tough to even consider the fact that the Astros could lose to the Minnesota Twins. There's no real stats to even back this up. There's no numbers that you can even look at and say, yeah, the Twins are going to beat them, or the Twins are a much worse team than them. There's really nothing that backs that up. But when the Astros get into October, and you have a healthy Justin Verlander, you have Jose Altuve, you have all the different guys that have still been a part of that Astros team, really in this dynasty over the last five, six, seven years of this team, it's tough to just look past them and say, yeah, they ain't going to win. I have the Astros in five games, but I think this is going to be a very up and down series. I think the Twins will make this a series. I just don't think they'll have enough really bang to keep up with this Houston Astros team because they can pitch with them. The Astros are going to be able to pitch with them, and offensively, I think the Astros have the edge there. Now let's get into the National League. Phillies Braves. Oh, my God. Phillies Braves, this is going to be a five-game series no matter what. 
But when you talk about the Phillies and the Braves, the Braves stand out to me. And the Braves, they kind of limped to the finish line, you could say. The starting pitching fell off just a tad bit from what we all expected and from what we saw earlier this year. But the Philadelphia Phillies, they've been red hot. And you go into Citizens Bank Park, everyone kind of talks about how that is a very tough environment to play in, in which if you're in the NL East, which we are, you know that already. I got the Braves in five still. The Atlanta Braves are just too good. I cannot see myself, and I hate pitching, just picking scratch right like I am right now. But I cannot see the Braves losing against the Phillies yet again. I just cannot see it. I can't see them getting bounced this early on just because of what they have done all season long. And the Braves, they just have that horseshoe up you-know-what. They always seem to find a way. And I think this year, after losing the way they did last year in the postseason to the Phillies, it ain't going to happen twice. So I got the Braves winning in five games, which leads us to the D-backs-Dodgers series. Dodgers in three. I don't believe in the Diamondbacks. They have the pitching. They've got some solid offensive contributions to give as well, but I'm not seeing them beat the Dodgers. So here's what we have. Orioles, Astros, pretty basic in the ALCS, and then Braves, Dodgers, again, pretty basic in the NLCS. I understand. That's not that's not fun. I got the Astros beating the Baltimore Orioles again, and then... I got the Braves beating the Dodgers in the CS, which leads us to an Astros-Braves World Series. Wow, what a surprise. I hate myself for making this selection. I hate myself for going chalk, but this is what I see. And who is winning it all? The Houston Astros. I, I I can't pick against them when it comes to October baseball. I can't. Until someone dethrones them, I will not believe that the Houston Astros will get bounced. I just can't see it. I can't fathom it. I can't see a result in which this team will get bounced this year. I think the Houston Astros got hot at the right time, and that is why I see them taking on the World's, the Atlanta Braves in the World Series on a big stage. I think it goes deep in a series, but Houston Astros, you get the nod. Thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every single day. So we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. And thank you guys for sticking with me as I've got a little fall cold, as I'm sure you could imagine hearing my voice today and sniffling and coughing and all that fun stuff. But it's your team every single day. And that is a promise at the Locked On Podcast Network that we give you right here every single day. So, of course, watch some postseason baseball this weekend. And then on Monday, we start off with our player breakdowns, and I cannot wait to dish out some grades and talk some more Washington Nationals. Enjoy postseason baseball, and of course, I'll catch you on the flip side.